Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richie. Good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day, none other than Yasmin Aliyah Khan, host, Global Thread Podcast, Rebel HQ, contributor and superstar. Always fascinating to have her analysis. Top story of the day. Georgia has charged activists with RICO as if they are a criminal enterprise. We've been here before. The stop pop city protesters, once again, being criminally harassed by state agencies. So much so that even a local elected prosecutor said, I am no longer going to work with the state on this because we have a different philosophy of prosecution. I'm talking about DA Boston of DeKalb County. Let's put it up. Full mass, who's doing it? Let's go to Attorney General Chris Carr announces the sweeping indictments against 61 top city activists at a September 5th news conference. Let's put up one tweet that contextualizes the saga you see before you. Stop Cop City says, and I quote, when the state hands down RICO charges for passing out Stop Cop City flyers and bailing people out, and the date of George Floyd's murder is on the indictments. They're telling you that this is about a limitless police state where cops can act with impunity and resistance is illegal. We had Reverend Kiana Jones on the program, a local minister in Atlanta, in East Atlanta to be exact. She opposes Cop City, she went viral for the sermon she preached to members of the Atlanta City Council. She has taken, obviously, has taken offense to these RICO charges against those who protest the Stop Cop City movement. Here's some of that interview. This country has been upended by governments across the nation trying to build cop cities in order to quell protests because the government is simply upset that people seek to oppose and use their First Amendment right to protest when we see injustice coming from those in authority. And can you talk about examples of the charges? For example, handing out flyers, Kiana. Yes, um, people were indicted for handing out flyers. And what those flyers contained, first of all, messages that say stop Cop City, messages that give details about what Cop City truly is, that it is not just a public safety training facility, that it is actually a militarized training facility that would destroy 381 acres of forest land in a black neighborhood where the city of Atlanta essentially had no jurisdiction in DeKalb County, but somehow backroom deals were made and laws were broken in order to acquire the land. Some of the flyers actually named the murderers of Manuel Esteban Paez Teran, known as Tortuguita. There is nothing that is wrong with giving information. So information that was obtained through public record that said, hey, there was a protester that was killed for sitting 
with their hands up. These are the perpetrators. We need justice. We want justice. I don't understand how giving out flyers with information is domestic terrorism. I don't understand how holding a sign that says Stop Cop City is domestic terrorism. I don't understand how opposing the government using your legal right to protest, your right to freedom of speech is domestic terrorism. If you remember, one of the activists who's a board member for the Atlanta Solidarity Fund, a fund established after the killing of Rayshard Brooks in Atlanta. They were raided, him and his fellow board members had their homes raided. What was their job? What did they do? They bonded people out of jail. They coordinate with NAACP and other civic organizations to do so. They do very good work. We also had him on the show, Mr. Marlon Cowles. Here's some of that. I mean, I think it goes to the ridiculously baseless nature of these charges that the first judge who set eyes on them, who, you know, he isn't even asked to make judgments about the facts of the matter. Right. He's just asked to set bond. But as soon as he sees the arrest warrants, his first reaction is, this is not impressive. That's right. The quote is, there's not a lot of meat on these bones. And he immediately goes against the prosecution's request, grants bond. Um, I, you know, I don't know what else we need to demonstrate that these charges are baseless. The judge in the case literally said during the bond hearing that this seems like a freedom of speech violation talking about and talking against the state government. The government requested no bond. The judge gave them a bond that allowed them to get out for basically 100, 150 bucks. Okay, that's a judge looking at the evidence presented for the raid itself. And then someone leaked a recording allegedly of APD officers, Atlanta police officers, talking about the targeting, the specific targeting of protesters. Here it is. Anybody else think that that warrant that they serve today and the arrest are just guaranteed shenanigans next Monday and Tuesday? Yep. Actually, maybe tomorrow. I think they're supposed to have their first appearance tomorrow. I'm here for all of it. Matter of fact, just do it all June, trying to get, uh, get my backyard done. I mean, it could go the opposite way. I mean, we've been putting pressure on them and attacking them from all different angles. At some point, they, they've got to give up. I mean, especially if we're going after all the money, it, it could shut them down. Yeah, I'm just waiting. Like, couldn't they wait until like Wednesday of next week to do this? Is that when you're off? <laughs> no, that's when all this, the finance committee would have been done. Would have been done by Wednesday. Ah, uh, okay. I don't know, they had to send a message. I get it, but I mean, think about it. If if they had just defeated the thing in you know in council, which you know if they're going to vote for the money and everything's going to go through, and then the coup de Gracie is oh right after you failed two days in a row, we serve a warrant on you. True, that's what they did the last go round. I guess they wanted to uh, 
you know, go ahead and get it over with. I guess they thought it was going on in your offensive. All right, let's put it up. Now, those officers talked about everything but the thing that they are hired to do, enforce laws. They talked about politics, they talked about money, they talked about meeting schedule, they talked about targeting individuals illegally. They did not talk about enforcing laws. The state of Georgia has handed down RICO indictments against 61 activists protesting against the development of an Atlanta police training facility known as Cop City, leaving many to raise questions about the criminalization of free speech. Last week's indictments primarily targeted the defend the Atlanta Forest Organization, the Atlanta Journal Constitution reported. Issued on August 29th, they accused protesters of violating Georgia's racketeering influence and corrupt organizations act. There's more. Others were charged with money laundering, domestic terrorism, and attempted arson in the first degree. That's according to a press release from Attorney General Chris Carr. Out of those charged, only 13 are from, meaning born in the state of Georgia. Defend the Atlanta Forest Organization has openly opposed the construction of Cop City along with others. A proposed training center for officers and first responders on land owned by the city of Atlanta. So let me explain what land owned by the city of Atlanta means. The city of Atlanta is inside of Fulton County, technically. However, they have annexed parts of the city in other counties. Clayton County has city of Atlanta annexation. That's what an airport is. DeKalb County has city of Atlanta annexation, meaning basically the city owns that part inside of their county. And the rules of the city will work the same, basically, inside of another county. There's more. The anarchist, anti-police and environment activism organization coordinates, advertises and conducts direct action design to prevent the construction of the Atlanta Police Safety Training Center and Shadowbox Studios and promote anarchist ideas. The indictment alleges this self-proclaimed direct action has included vandalizing of private property, arson, destruction of government property, attacks on utility workers, attacks on law enforcement, attacks on private citizens, and gun violence. At the center of this, ladies and gentlemen, is $90 million. It's actually more now, but $90 million was the original price tag and the Activists have been very successful at doing a few things. Number one, changing the public support. Changing the public support. How? By information. Giving information to everyday people who live in the city of Atlanta. The city of Atlanta voted on this. The city of Atlanta decided to move forward with the contract. Granted, the current mayor did not make the contract. This was a contract already designed and codified before he became mayor. But he could have ripped it up. He could have cited various contractual dynamics that were, let's just say, less than appropriate to implement. But he did not. He moved forward. He moved forward with the contract. Members of council, even those, many of those who ran on a progressive platform, voted in the affirmative to say yes to Cop City, even though 
East Atlanta said no. And now the public narrative is starting to transform with more information coming out. But the activists could not stop the vote. They stayed until six, seven, eight o'clock in the morning. They could not stop City Hall from voting in the affirmative. So what did they do? As with a democracy, they decided to go the legal route, filed a petition to get signatures, signatures that would allow them to stop top city development. This is allowable in the state of Georgia, upheld by Georgia courts. The city of Atlanta has taken them to court, and every time the city of Atlanta has lost. There's more. The indictment says the foundation of defend Forrest goes back to May 2020 following the death of George Floyd. They mentioned this in the indictment. Why? Who was killed by a Minneapolis police officer and whose death sparked a worldwide movement against police brutality. It argues that when the demonstrators started to cease, an undercurrent of threatening, violent anti police sentiment persisted among some people in Atlanta, including members of the organization. Chris Carr may try to use his prosecutor's power and power to build his gubernatorial campaign to silence free speech, but his threats will not silence our commitment to standing up for our future, our community, and our city. Top city vote, a coalition standing against the project, told the AP in a statement. According to prosecutors, 225 incidents included in the extensive indictment highlight allegations that members threw rocks and Molotov cocktail through the Department of Public Safety headquarters window causing a fire and injuring two people in the summer of 2020. That summer predates the movement against Cop City by a full two years. As the Atlanta City Council's vote to move ahead with the training center came in September of 2022. The indictment also lists an incident from earlier this year in March, where it accuses a member of assaulting a police officer and creating a mob that attacked law enforcement guarding the site while also setting construction vehicles on fire. Three activists who officials say handed out flyers that labeled a state trooper who gunned down a demonstrator who was camping on the site a murderer were included in the indictment. Now understand what they're saying. If you say a police officer committed murder on a flyer, and you hand it out and you tell people who the officer is that you believe committed murder, you're going to be indicted. Now you may not like the terminology, but it is protected speech. It is protected speech. There's more. This country has been upended by governments across the nation trying to build cop cities in order to quell protests because the government is simply upset that people seek to oppose and use their First Amendment right to protest when we see injustice coming from those in authority. Stop cop city organizer Reverend Kiana Jones said during an interview on Democracy Now. Jones continued, I don't understand how opposing the government using your legal right to protest, your right to freedom of speech, is domestic terrorism. Now, here we are, 
I want to provide proper context here. Republicans are very upset that one man named Donald Trump is being prosecuted for crimes he absolutely committed. Many of those crimes are actually on video. They are saying that, well, this country has a two tier justice system, that his rights are being violated. That everything he said that could have been interpreted as illegal should be covered under freedom of speech. And then you have young, committed, not well, um, economically stable activists who just give a damn. Their rights are being violated. Judges are literally saying this on the record, speaking out of turn. Their rights are being violated severely. Has anyone on the right said anything? Of course not, they're concerned about one man named Trump. That's it, nothing else. Their argument and their position is not authentic. They believe in personality, not policy. But I guarantee you this, if those on the left really believe that Donald Trump had his rights violated, guess what, they would actually say something. All right, Yasmin, thoughts here. Yeah. Uh, Rico is how Rudy Giuliani famously took down the mob in New York City. So it is a great way to indict groups of people who work together to run a whole operation. And it's usually reserved for large scale widespread organized efforts to commit crimes. We don't see them too often, but we recently saw Rico charges used against um, the fast fashion brand Shein for stealing creative works from designers, and that made sense. And then we saw Rico charges again used against Trump and his his accomplices, and that made sense. But now we're seeing them used against protesters in Atlanta. And comparing the work of activists and protesters to the work of the mob and other similarly nefarious entities is deplorable, and they know it, they know what they're doing. Now, obviously these organizations that have been And the people who work for these organizations who have been indicted, obviously they're organized because that's what they're doing. They're doing a job, they're working towards something. And what the work that they're doing isn't illegal. They're protesting and they have the right to do that. Not just that, but they have the public support behind them. And that is why they're being targeted this way. These indictments have basically criminalized exercising one's freedom of speech against governmental structures and even environmental activism. The incidents of violence cited by the prosecutors didn't have anything to do with these anti anti-cop city activism movements, but they had to use the date of George Floyd's death as a starting point for you know, anti-cop domestic terrorism, which is what they're referring to it as, in order to build their whole RICO case. And I would say that all of this is very ironic and that the cops are literally proving the point that these activists are warning against. They're behaving in a way that the activists said that they would, but it's not irony. They're not pretending to be anything other than what they are. And they're pushing forward with their plan regardless of what the public and the city have to say about it. You know, they're doing what they want by force because they can and they have empowered themselves to do so. Very well said, and let me say this for the record. I'm anti-bad cop, I'm not anti-cop, I'm anti-bad cop, I'm pro-good cop. But if you are anti-cop, guess what? You have that right to simply be anti-cop if you wanted to. If that's your perception, that is perfectly legal in the United States of America.
Donald Trump says he's going to take the stand in his own trial. Let's pray he's actually telling the truth. Here it is. So if you have to go to trial, will you testify in your own defense? Oh, yes, absolutely. You'll so take the stand. That I, would, that I look forward to because that's just like Russia, Russia, Russia. That's all the fake information from Russia, Russia, Russia. Remember when the dossier came out and everyone said, oh, that's so terrible, that's so terrible. And then it turned out to be it was a political report put out by Hillary Clinton and the DNC. They paid millions for it. They gave it to Christopher Steele. They paid millions and millions of dollars for it. And it was all fake. It was no, all I think fake. that obstruction no, charge is going to get the trial, Mr. President. I, I think that. Okay, if you do, and they ask you on, on the stand, did you order anyone to move boxes? How will you answer? I'm not answering that question for you, but I'm totally covered under the law. He was on Hewitt's show. Hewitt was trying to set him up, I think. Anyway, let's put it up for a mask. All right. In a July Truth social post, Trump suggested then he would speak. In the federal case revolving around his attempts to reverse the outcome of the 2020 US presidential election, although his legal team may recommend against the decision. We'll have fun on the stand with all these people that say the presidential election wasn't rigged and stolen. <laughs> the trial of the century. In the same conversation with Hewitt, Trump dismissed a discussion on how he plans to defend himself from accusations. That he instructed his employees to move boxes of classified government documents at his Mar-a-Lago home. Quote, I'm not answering that question as you heard for you, but I'm totally covered under the law, he said. Meanwhile, uh, Megyn Kelly. So what is Megyn Kelly saying? Let's put her up for a mask. Megyn Kelly, ironically, is um, upset that people are talking about Michelle Obama possibly running for President. Now, naturally, that's not going to happen. Uh, the conversation has been going on for years. She's a popular political figure. She posed top in polling with Democrats anytime she's listed. So Megyn Kelly claimed <clears throat> Michelle Obama doesn't like America. While providing guest commentary on Newsmax about recent reports that she could replace Biden, all right, here it is. Megan, uh, I, I think it was on your show. We said, what, what's gonna happen? I, I don't think he's gonna make it, then who? And we talked, uh, Michelle Obama. Now this, this is a long time ago we talked, but it's starting to bubble up. Boy, wouldn't the Obamas love that, another return to the White House? What do you thought of thoughts of her replacing Joe Biden? Well, there are a lot of people who think the Obamas are already running the government. And that there's some sort of a shadow puppet situation going on that they're controlling, you know, because there's been questions from the beginning. Is it Joe Biden really making the calls? Um, I think Michelle Obama is seen as a savior figure by the Democrats. They think she's the most beautiful person ever. They think she's the strongest leader. They, you know, they think she's their 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 big hope. However, she's also going to motivate Republicans. <laughs> and how? And I'm sure, you know, she'll say, "Oh, I'm motivating to them because they're all racists." With all the Republican. No, it's because you don't like America. And it's not just from your weird comments when Barack was running that for the first time in my life, I'm really proud of my country. Just recently, she talked about how she didn't wear her hair naturally curly because she knew this racist country couldn't take it. She knew that the country wasn't ready, that somehow we couldn't accept her hair. Really? 
I mean, it's the same country that made Oprah Winfrey an absolute billionaire. And I watched that show daily and Oprah wore her hair however the hell she wanted. But this woman has no faith in the goodness of Americans, at least not if they have the little R after their name as opposed to the little D. So I do think they should be careful because Michelle Obama may not be quite the skilled politician they hope she is. Megyn Kelly is so racist, she could not let go of the fact that Santa Claus has to be white and Jesus has to be white also. We got some of that in a minute, but let me highlight an irony of her, let's just say, point of view. Megyn Kelly says Michelle Obama, former first lady of the United States does not like America. But it was Donald Trump who ran on the platform of not liking America by saying we need to make America great again. Saying that America is not great in the proclamation. Also, it is Donald Trump and conservatives who are talking negative about the US military, this country, citizens in this country. When they talk adversarial about gays, lesbians, when they talk adversarial about the LGBTQ community at large, those are Americans too. They're contextualized in the culture when they talk against Biden and his family. They are part of the structural leadership. To be honest, those who complain about America not being what they like, primarily are Republicans. Look at the record. But they get the benefit of never having a contrary narrative because they just they're just patriots no matter what they say. Who stormed the Capitol? Who tried to kill Mike Pence? Who wanted to hang Nancy Pelosi? Kelly made those remarks during an appearance on the nightly cable show, Eric Bowling, the balance. These are all Fox News rejects. After Bowling questioned her about a Washington Times article reporting how Democrats said the Obama said Obama has the it factor to become president, although it's been widely reported that Michelle Obama stated she would never run for president. They entertained the idea because they have a lot of racist. Audience members who like the stuff that they were saying. There's more to this, all right? So if Kelly wants to take a dig, let's not forget Kelly was from her morning show position at NBC News. She was fired from there after making, you know, racist remarks about blackface, all right? So, but she was already racist on Fox News. NBC News decided to give her a job. We didn't know. Um, how long it would last, but we knew good and damn well she would say something racist. We said that on day one. But if you remember that Fox News clip, this is how racist Megyn Kelly, a trained attorney, is. Santa Claus should not be a white man anymore. And when I saw this headline, I kind of laughed and I said, oh, this is so ridiculous. Yet another person claiming it's racist to have a white Santa. You know, and by the way, for all you kids watching at home, Santa just is white. But this person is just arguing that that maybe we should we should also have a black Santa. But you know, Santa is what he is, and just so you know, we're just debating this because someone wrote about it, kids. Okay, I wanted to get that straight. But Jedediah, yeah, she says Santa's white, 
And then she goes on to tell you uh, Jesus is white. Same show, same segment. And the people on her program, they're just so damn happy to be on TV. They're sitting there shaking their head to this foolishness. But that's how insane it is. All right, yeah, some thoughts. Yeah, I will say I was reading the transcript of that Trump interview and it was really hard to get through. I think reading any transcript of Trump speaking is yeah. very difficult. but. Even if he wants to take the stand, no one around him wants him to. They know what happens when he speaks, he is uncontrollable. He can't be trusted to stick to a script or to not lie. He's almost guaranteed to perjure himself. His main defense and talking points are lies. And if he strays from those points, he loses his entire supporter base. There's no actual benefit for Trump, for Trump to take the stand. So it'll be interesting to see what actually ends up happening. And as for Megyn Kelly, why are we even talking about this? Michelle Obama is not running for anything. Right. Megyn Kelly voluntarily made a point that she could have just avoided making altogether. The point that Republicans supposedly don't like the Obamas because they're anti-American, not because they're black. But we know that's not true. We all remember the birther movement and they were all very much behind that. I had a Republican friend that I actually stopped talking to because she said something racist about Michelle Obama. And to be fair, the friendship was already on shaky ground, but that really was the last straw. But also, what does it even mean to not like America? Most of us aren't sycophantic about our country. We love our home, sure, but loving something and seeing a place objectively for what it is and what it can be are two separate things. I love this country, it's my home. But I certainly see how things can be better for more people within it. And I don't understand why that's something that even needs to be explained. Tough love is love too. Sometimes tough love is required. A school teacher decides to write the N word next to a student's name on a seating chart, put her up full mass. She has lost it all because she just couldn't help herself. Kelly Nordstrom, a Sierra Middle School teacher in Stockton, California, has now resigned after being accused of writing a racial slur next to a black student's picture on a seating chart. The Stockton record identified the educator as the cultural awareness and diversity teacher. You heard me, right? The cultural awareness and diversity teacher. And now Lincoln. Unified school district officials are searching for another cultural awareness and diversity teacher. Keep her picture up. Is it just me or do you also blame Lincoln United? Why would you hire an individual who does not seemingly represent cultural awareness or diversity? And not expect some level of let's just say insensitivity. The students informed their parents and officials that they saw the N word in quotations, in quotations beside their classmates picture. You're looking at the alleged photo of the seating chart. Multiple parents said the derogatory term was visible to their children and their children talked about it. The Stockton record notes, that 11% of the school's district students are actually black. You have a parent, let's put her up. Her name is Liz Manipoli. So Liz, being a thoughtful individual, has brought the matter to the trustees. 
during a Lincoln Unified School Board meeting last Wednesday. Her daughter, a student in Ms. Nordstrom's class, saw the teacher write the slur about the black student photo, adding that when her daughter confronted the teacher, she said she was taking notes. Manipoli said on the, on the verge of tears at the podium, I understand that children were able to see this. My 12 year old daughter sent me a photo of this. There is something missing when the teacher of a diversity class feels comfortable to write that. She also told ABC 10, certified hate speech. So casually written by a teacher in a position of power. We're told the seating chart is where the teacher uses to take her notes and notate points. From my understanding, she might have heard this kid say a form of that word and very casually noted it on her clipboard, but not in the same way he said it in the form of a racial slur. So that's the potential spin. For the record, another parent called the teacher's allegation, alleged actions, excuse me, completely inappropriate, adding that the cultural insensitivity and sense of privilege in this situation is blatant. The local newspaper noted that it's unclear or hasn't been proven that the teacher wrote the slur, end quote. All right, uh, the school superintendent's put her up. Buck stops with the superintendent, okay? Her name is Kelly Dextras, sent a statement to ABC 10 condemning racism and saying the incident is in fact under investigation. The use of racial slurs is not allowed or tolerated in our schools. And we respond with both discipline and education when either students and staff engage in such behavior. However, because this matter is related to the disclosure of student disciplinary documents, we are prohibited by law from commenting on the specifics of the incident. All right, okay, hell of a thing, Jasmine thoughts. Yeah, if I was in this woman's position, even if I was, you know, making a note of a thing that a kid was saying, I still wouldn't have written that word out, especially not on a document like that in a classroom. I think it says a lot about someone that she didn't even think that there was anything wrong with what she was writing. She didn't really seem to think about it too much. The nonchalance with which it was written was a loud and clear indicator that this woman should not be employed in the line of work that she is currently employed in. And I hate that this is happening in classrooms. And yeah, we really just need to start respecting these children and the education that we're offering them in this country. It's really sad because the lessons that they learn in elementary school in a lot of ways stay with them as they go forward into this world. And I don't like to see them starting off on the wrong foot. It's really There painful. you go, there you go. So for those who may push back and say, well, doc, she may, she may have just been writing it out to take a note. Oh, okay, she's the uh, cultural awareness, diversity awareness person, professional, teacher. So we can all agree she at least lacks awareness, which is a requirement for the job, all right? Okay, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable stick and stay. So, what do you go? Why are you walking up to me, sir? Don't touch me. Because if you touch me, you're going to jail, okay? Because you followed me for over a half a mile down the road for what? Now say hi because I have over 10 million followers. Take your 10 million followers okay. and shut the you got me. Maybe buying your own business. All right, bet. 
Call the police. If you would have done that in the first place. Hey, you better. You, you ain't had some hey. crazy ass. You right all now. Right, all right. All right. So, yeah, just go ahead. Because you mind your own business. Hey, you touch me, it's over for you. All right, I actually had more video. He actually walked out, came back. Here's what he did. Hey, you touch me, you you go you going to jail. Call the police. You call the police. Tell him to leave your store because he's harassing me at this point. You gonna tell me to leave? Yeah, leave. Right. He can make me leave, but you can't. He can make me leave, but you can't. Put up his picture for a mask. If somebody knows this clown, you may want to have a conversation with him. According to the narrative, he followed this woman half a mile, a little more than half a mile. It looks as if she sought refuge inside of a lit area, and he followed her. He comes in. To do God knows what until he saw that he was being recorded. That's what it looks like to me. What he did was not only a scary thing, obviously, for this woman, but it could have ended in significant, significant disaster. Here's another dynamic that we must mention. The woman had to say something to the store owner or clerk or cashier, whoever it is. Hey, are you going to call the police? Can you call the police? Can you tell them to leave? Somebody coming into your establishment in order to attack another human being should result in, in my opinion, a little more vigor. Get you, get your ass up out of here. What's wrong with you? Why are you chasing people inside of my store? She's a customer, leave, anything. Or I've called 911, they're on the way, okay? Um, so I didn't like that factor. I didn't like that she had to basically ask for someone to do a very decent thing. Um, but once again, he has not been identified. He has not been identified. If anyone knows who he is, feel free to let us know, all right? You ask me thoughts. Yeah, this is terrifying. This is one of those things that some men, and I'd probably say most men, even well-intentioned men, don't understand about what it's like to exist as a woman in this world. And I'm not blaming them for not understanding. I'm not mad at them for not knowing. It's just one of those things that they're really just not exposed to. And that said, there are still certain people who, even after being shown instances of violence and threatening behavior like this, will continue to deny that chauvinism and misogyny are actual threats to people and by extension that they're damaging to society. You can't have a functioning society where half of the population feels unsafe in the presence of the other half. This is really right. scary. Well said, all right, we will bring you an update if somebody alerts me to who this clown is, please do. Okay, that's something for you, double dose. You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a and Sunday? Street, do not race down my street again. 
I was only going 25 miles You're hour. crazy. I got five people saying who's racing down the street. Do you realize I'm a part of a company? I don't. Yeah, you're right. And you're going to lose your job because I got your truck number. Well, they realize. No, they don't realize you don't race around a residential track. Period. Every time I drive, they know how many miles I'm right. I'm it driving. How about your. It does matter. It doesn't matter. It does. Because if you're saying I'm wrong, you're wrong. And they're watching me. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You. You're. Don't. Oh, you just hit me. You're, you just hit me. You just hit me. Hold on. Watch You him. spit my watch face. Him. He just you, hit me. You spit my face, you bitch. Hell yeah, bitch. And I'm going to spit in your face. He's hitting me. He's hitting me. No, you hit me. Wait, wait, wait. Please. No, why are you hitting yes. me? He hit me. What? Because he hit me first. No, yes, he did. No, I, I did not. Yes, I did. I got a hammer. Look. Hey, why are you hitting him? After he hit me, and I had a face. You face. my face. After he hit me, and I had a face with him. She's telling him to go go inside. Why are you telling him to go inside after your husband hit me? Nope. Uh uh. I don't care. Got that nose dotted. Let's put it up full mass. Um, sir, you literally went up into her face in an aggressive manner. She has the right to defend herself if she did anything to you at all. It was a conversation, yes, a heated one, but it did not have to transform into what you transformed it into. Uh, this was, this is an Amazon driver, according to the person who posted it, and he got a bloody nose. But after that. After he tried to attack her, after we clearly see physical combat, someone comes outside and says, why are you hitting him? What? That's the first thing that comes to your mind when you see a guy like him, mad, upset, probably you already know how he gets. Why are you hitting him? Come on. Uh, so this is one of those videos we don't have a whole lot more information on. Would love to know if the police were called, charges were filed, etc. But once again, you felt bold enough to do more than just say words. Sir, if you thought somebody was racing in your community, and by the way, he admits he didn't see it. He's talking about what somebody told him. If you thought Somebody was doing that in your community. You have not seen it for yourself, but you thought they were doing it. You can say something and keep it moving, all right? If that was your assumption, but your continued aggressive action and then going into her face in an aggressive manner, well, there you have it. That's why you're wearing that bloody nose for everybody to see. Okay, you asked me thoughts. Yeah, again, this is terrifying. And like you said, we don't have all the context for this video. I don't know what led up to this. And people are gonna say that there's not enough context to know who was right or wrong here. But no, it's never okay or decent to even approach someone and speak to someone the way that this man did. That is not the way to have a productive conversation. But then he actually got up in her face and physically assaulted her and then denied it and then played the victim, even though it was all caught on tape. And right. you know, I don't know what's gonna happen, but we we see this people like this and situations like this where you know nothing really happens. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Well, his face is all over the internet now. We got more on the other side. It's indisputable stick and stay.
All right, welcome back. Always good to be with you. We got a lot of comments. I will read just a couple. Still pressed for time. Um, yeah, you are fifty-seven exclamation point you. Uh, why is he hitting a woman? Yeah, exactly. But she says when she comes out, the neighbor, why are you hitting him? She's defending herself. College that needed to be more white. So they engaged in a systemic, intentional, discriminatory program to get rid of all the black people. Put up the institution, I got a hell of a story to tell you. Education disrupted by discrimination, feds order a Kansas community college to reform policies after the school unfairly disciplined black athletes, expelled them, harassed them, did everything they could do just to get them to leave the institution. Highland Community College, a Kansas community college, was ordered by the Department of Justice to reform its policies and procedures on discipline, campus security, housing and racial harassment after the school was accused of unfairly expelling and discriminating against its black athletes. Put her up, that's the president, her name is Deborah Fox. Deborah Fox was named president of Highland Community College in 2019. Fox served as director of business operations and management for USD number 446 independence. Kansas School District previously, she served Highland Community College as the vice president of finance and operations for 14 years and assistant dean of regional instruction for three years. The US Justice Department reached this settlement with the Highland Community College after two lawsuits were filed against the institution for its discriminatory practices and on campus harassment against some of its black students. The first lawsuit was filed by three former coaches who alleged that college leaders readily worked to reduce the number of black student athletes by purposely not recruiting African Americans. They claimed that school leaders sought to quote, to make Highland white again. Sounds familiar? The That federal lawsuit also detailed how college leaders worked to intimidate, coordinated to intimidate some of the black student athletes into withdrawing from school. The American Civil Liberties Union filed a second lawsuit against the school claiming the Highland would expel black students for minor or bogus violations and were targeted for searches, surveillance and harassment on campus. Federal data from 2022 shows that even though black students make up about 11% of the campus, about half of Highland's student athlete population up until recently was black. The complaints allege that schools subjected those students to more severe and unfair treatment than their white peers. When the Justice Department opened its investigation into the school in January 2022, which the school fully cooperated in, its officers investigated these allegations, put them up. This guy's in charge of student affairs. Now, what you just heard, things like targeting African Americans, um, searching them illegally, making sure that they have a harsher penalty than their white counterparts. Why would the college not assume you could do that when America does it every day? They are following the same exact blueprint. Dr. Eric Engmeyer, 
is the vice president for student services. He came to the college from the Fremont campus of Pueblo Community College, where he was the director of student services. Sir, I highlight you because as a college professor, I understand how important your position is. I also understand when a person in your position fails to speak up and be an advocate for students, how feckless of a leader you are. There's more, the settlement between the feds and the school requires the college to revise its policies and practices to improve campus climate, improve the fairness of its proceeding brought against students and strengthen its training for campus security to promote consistent non-discriminatory interactions between security personnel and students. Additionally, the college must ensure an effective response to students complaints of racial discrimination Make sure that his campus security officers are thoroughly trained on effective de-escalation techniques and non-coercive methods of gathering information. In other words, nothing. You think officers were following, I don't know, either their lack of understanding how to do the job or were they following orders according to the federal government's proclamation, they were following orders. So let me get this right, DOJ. In order to fix this, the security officers just need more training. But you all claim in the document that they were following order. There's more. No college student should have their educational experience marred or disrupted by discrimination based on their race. That's what the Assistant Attorney General Kristen Clark of the Justice Department Civil Rights Division said. I actually like her, she does a lot of great work. Community college colleges are an important pathway to four year institutions and the workforce. And federal law requires that their campuses, programs and activities be equally available to all without regard to race. The Justice Department is committed protecting the civil rights of college students across the country to pursue a higher education, to pursue a higher education in a safe, welcoming and discrimination free environment. Holland Community College President Deborah Fox said the school welcomed working with the Justice Department's educational opportunity section to come to a consensus about how to improve campus life for students. Oh, we got we need to talk about how to not be discriminatory, how to not target African American students. How to say no to make our college whiter again, it's insane. Now, this is a microcosm. It actually is indicative of a larger dynamic happening across America. You think this is the only community college or higher educational institute engaged in such behavior? You gotta think how deep this goes. They are literally willing to give up money in order to have no black people or very few black people on campus. Because those students, they do pay money. They do garner interest from others who will see them play a sport. That is money to the institution. They're willing to give that up in order to engage in their racist enterprise. Our school, our student body is the most important part of the Highland community experience. We want to ensure that all students feel welcome to learn, develop, thrive as they take important steps in their educational journey. Fox said, now, now keep that quote up, okay? 
According to the government, ma'am, you all discriminated against black students. So why is your commentary about the student body? They didn't say you violated the student body. There's more. Fox said, Fox, who has who was appointed school president in 2019, was embroiled in some controversy last year after she likened one of the school's black football players to Hitler, whom she called a great leader, according to the Associated Press. Fox remarked on the player's leadership skills and his influence on other black teammates during a meeting about the alleged harassment of black student athletes. She later explained to the local news outlet KCUR that she was just trying to describe negative leadership and apologized to the school for her poor choice of words. Holly Community College is about 80 miles northwest of Kansas City, Missouri, and approximately 3,200 students make up its student population. Isn't that something? All right, Yasmin, thoughts here? You know, people are really getting creative. Hate seems to drive creativity, who knew? Yeah, this is especially egregious because I really believe that education is a way out of so many life circumstances. And I'm not even just talking about, you know, getting a better job after college or making more money or a better living or anything like that. I'm talking about how valuable education is on its own, you know, knowing and learning and engaging with others, learning directly from professors and experts, discussing ideas and topics in a controlled and supported environment. Uh, even getting exposure to different subject matters and types of people and interest groups. To deny people that opportunity for any reason, but especially on racial grounds is unthinkable. And it goes back to a history we have in this country of trying to bar certain people from having the same opportunities as others. And I'll never understand it. If I know something, it doesn't mean that somebody else you know, can't know the same things. It doesn't mean that I know less if they also know it. But honestly, that's not really what this is about. It's about control on a societal level, which ironically is a thing that white Republicans are constantly afraid of. Despite being the one population in this country that probably doesn't need to worry about that. It's easier to control a population when that population is less educated and less informed and they seem to be very aware of that. Yeah, well said. Many of you have seen this video go viral. I have the background, I have the update, here it is. Okay. Nobody did a damn thing. Put up his picture. Okay. The woman he was beating on with the cane is 60 years of age. This was a New York subway, no one intervenes. Norton Blake has now been arrested early yesterday morning for that brutal assault you saw. 43 year old Blake was charged with assault according to police. In 2017, Blake pleaded guilty assaulting an officer, resisting arrest after jumping the turnstiles in the subway. At a different Harlem station, according to the police, the terrifying incident occurred after the victim, a 60 year old woman got into an argument with the suspect 
as they were walking of the steps from the station. Here's another view of that attack. This happened right before 3.30 AM Friday when the woman was walking at the West 116th Street Lenox Avenue station. NYPD officials told the post, the shocking two minute video shows Blake lunging at the woman with an umbrella and the woman trying to fight him off with her cane. Blake then strikes the woman with her own cane more than 50 times in the head, in the stomach, leg, arms, back, and hands. So hard that the wooden implement falls apart, it goes into destruction mode. Black, excuse me, Blake continues to throw punches and yell at the stunned 60 year old woman. While his pants start falling down, the woman remains motionless at this point on the ground. Until the suspect decides to kick her several more times. The video then cuts off. The victim was taken to the NYC Health and Hospitals Harlem with extensive bruising. She is expected to recover. After some question why the station agent didn't try to help intervene. During the violent attack, MTA chairman Jano Labor said the agent, quote, did absolutely the right thing in taking a video. She collected evidence by videoing what was going on, immediately contacted the rail control center where there is NYPD officers there. So both contacting the RCC, but also the NYPD that actually brought on fast response from the NYPD, said the chairman, who added that the agency is training agents on how to deal with what he called conflict situation. What? You, you're going to start training them now? They're not trained already on how to deal with conflict? This is, um, this is sickening. Um, that 60 year old woman could have died. She could have died while an agent is literally recording a murder. That could have been what we just saw. And the chairman immediately having the uh, the defensive posture. Not even, well, we're looking into it to see if the actions were proper. We're gonna launch an investigation, get back to you. All right, thoughts here. Yeah, why was any of this necessary? I'm glad that the guy has been arrested, but the woman still has to deal with not only the physical wounds that she sustained from the attack, but also from the emotional trauma of it, of being beaten publicly and then nobody coming to help her. And I don't think that that emotional trauma should be diminished. Something like that can change someone's life. It can change who you are as a person and it can change the way that you just engage with the world around you. It's a shame and it's a waste. And you can't even argue that this was a case of self defense or anything like that on the guy's part. This was an attack and that's what it was. That's right, a pure 100% unprovoked attack. All right, we got more on the other side, it's indisputable stick and stay. All right, welcome back, always good to be with you. Let me read a couple of comments. V says, I had to say this, but knew y'all, somebody, nobody intervened. Very rare for someone to intervene. The agent actually might have gotten fired if they physically intervened because of liability. Wow. And one more, Twitch, 
Uh, the IT Dragon, this is awful. Stop filming and help. Yeah. I mean, you can have, you can literally say, okay, listen, hold my phone for a minute. Keep recording. All right. Okay. Hell of a story. A teenager tries to drown a black child while calling the black child George Floyd. Put it up for a mask. The story is going to boil your blood. A 14 year old white child whose identity is John S. I'm withholding that last name because he's still a minor, even though the prosecutor decided to expose it. The 14 year old faces charges in an alleged racially motivated murder attempt involving another youth. Suspect threatened the victim with a stone, called him the N word, according to prosecutors. The incident occurred in Chatham, Massachusetts at Goose Pond. You're looking at it on July 19th. The teenager was at the pond with two others, whom he reportedly told he could not swim. Reports say he was given a life jacket to support himself and with this precaution. He got into the water and the boys had had uh, the boys he had just met that day with those children. According to the DA, once in the water, the juvenile defendant proceeded to pull on the victim's life jacket and submerged him underwater four to five times, causing the victim breathing distress. The third juvenile laughed at the victim during the attempted drowning and referred to the victim as George Floyd, a press release said from the DA. The assault persisted as the 14-year-old swam beneath the black youth attempting to seize his feet and submerge him again. They were trying to kill him. Prosecution asserts that the bullying ceased when the victim cried out for assistance from the shoreline, prompting a bystander to leap into the water, rescue him and bring him ashore. The teen was indicted by a grand jury on attempted murder and assault with a deadly weapon charge. The DA said the boy's records quote, shall be open to public inspection in the same manner and to the same extent as adult criminal court records, adding that all proceedings related to this case will be open to the public. Now, what this 14 year old kid attempted to do is extreme, it is violent, it is evil, it is criminal, and he should face punishment, severe punishment, trying to kill somebody. And he knew what he was doing was wrong, bad, not legal. The DA says, I'm gonna release his name. You know, DA, I have a recommendation for you because I think you're, you're a good person. I want you to release the name of his parents, grandparents. I want you to release the names of the people who taught him this. NBC 10 Boston. Identify the team and also spoke to the lawyer. NBC 10 Boston reached out to John S's lawyer for comment. The lawyer, Kevin Reddington, told the Boston Globe on Friday that the charges are just over the top for what amounted to horse playing. They got out of control. He said it was appealing to the Superior Court to have John S released. All of the people involved are juveniles. As are the witnesses, 
and all but John S had their names redacted from the report. John S's name was not redacted because he's being tried as a youthful offender, which makes you a little more than a juvenile, okay? Uh, the teen attended a hearing on Thursday, August 31st. Inside of the juvenile court, a judge ordered that he be held without bail. Uh, his next appearance in court is set for September 13th. I, I agree with the prosecutor and everything the prosecutor's doing, all of it, all of it, okay? All of it. There's a bigger paradigm at play. What is it? That 14 year old kid adopted, absorbed this kind of racism and hate. He wasn't born with it. His first opportunity, what did he try to do? Kill a black person and literally call that black kid the N word, George Floyd. What does the 14 year old know about George Floyd? Whatever his parents taught him, whatever hate they spewed at that dinner table. Jasmine, thoughts? Yeah, it's exactly like what you said, Doc. Kids learn behaviors from their elders, from the adults in their lives, more so than from what they're exposed to on the internet or on social media or even on the news. This is so sad to see because, you know, my bleeding heart, children really are the future, and I don't believe that they're born with hate in their hearts. But this feels a little different. You know, attempted murder, especially at such a young age, is a leap from teasing or bullying. I don't even, I don't know, I don't, I don't even have words for it. Yeah. We will bring you the update as the case moves forward. Um, and the DA has promised full transparency. Ironic, a police officer getting creative acted like he was the canine himself in order to get individuals who were young to simply surrender. Here it is. The university place sergeant was able to pull over and deploy his stop sticks to wait for the stolen vehicle. Spike deployment was perfect and got all four tires flat. Unfortunately, the four juvenile suspects took off and we had to terminate our pursuit. Officers later found the vehicle unoccupied and still running at 7500 Bridgeport Way. Unreadable again. Clear. They're down here. They're down here. Yeah, there's two down in the ravine right now. This deputy Stop, could see please. two of the suspects down in a creek bed. He chose a very Stop. interesting way to get them to comply. Don't make us release our canine. Female, blonde hair, red pants, black hoodie, black and orange backpack. Better stop. Over here, hands on your back, you're under arrest. There's two more coming. Creative, yes. Did he lie? Yeah. Did he shoot anyone? No. Did he beat anyone up? Nope. 
no taser. Because the kids thought a dog was about to start seeking them out. Let's put it up. Uh, we've got a screenshot here. Um, I actually appreciate the fact that he was creative enough to do this uh, and did not engage in you know, shooting in the woods or something insane like that. And we've seen things like that before. So a deputy out of University Place, Washington had this approach. Uh, it was effective. The suspects actually immediately gave up. Uh, they were arrested due to their juvenile status, no information about the suspects. The kids actually believed there was a dog. And in the end, they told the deputies, man, soon as I heard that dog, I gave up. <laughs> Sergeant Darren Moss Jr. said in the video posted to the department's Facebook page, Moss commended the deputies giving them an A plus for creativity and getting the teens to comply. I've done dumb things as a teen myself, all right? So I appreciate that they were able to take that ride, learn a lesson, and hopefully apply it to the rest of their lives, all right? Yeah, that's my thoughts here. Yeah, this made me laugh. That was funny. I applaud the creativity and the quick thinking, and I applaud the fact that violence didn't need to be a thing here. I like that no shots were fired. I like that the job was done effectively, but no one was hurt. Violence should never be the first option, and as we've seen here, it's not always necessary. So more of this, please. There you go. All right. A woman pulls a paralyzed man out, literally out of a burning fire. All right, let's put it up. Go to it now. Oh! Hmm. Put up the picture for a mask. So you see a terrifying scene. This was the aftermath of what Dennis Brown admits in an interview could have been the end of his life. If it had not been for a five foot three savior for him named Tammy Arrington, who says she was just at the right place at the right time. Put up a picture and hit. The paralyzed Dallas man was renting the hand control car from Enterprise. As he had done before, when he thought to himself, this car feels like it's ready to give out. He then looked up and saw that the hood was on fire. Being paralyzed, he struggled to get out of the vehicle in time. So Tammy Arrington jumped in that burning vehicle and saved Mr. Brown's life. Instead of going with her friend to Costco that morning, she decided to stay behind in the new home. She just helped her pal move into. But she looked out of the front window. She saw part of the car in flames. She rushed outside, saw all the doors were closed, initially believing it was empty. Quote, I just happened to see his head move just a little bit from the headrest. And then I realized there was someone in there, Arrington said. She ran to the car and opened the door, urging Mr. Brown to flee from the fire. She said, get out of the car, said Brown, who became paralyzed after he was shot in 22. I said, I can't, 
I'm in a wheelchair. She originally grabbed the wheelchair, but soon realized she didn't have enough time to put it together. Arrington, only five foot three, said she dragged Mr. Brown out and then placed him in the wheelchair after it was assembled. The two moved far from the burning car until the local fire department extinguished the flame. Put him up, full mass. Brown tells interviewers that in all of the chaos, he never got the woman's name. Despite Brown's family going to thank her while she was still visiting. By the time Brown tried to visit, no one was home and Arrington was gone. I didn't give you a proper thank you, Brown said. Brown agreed to be interviewed by Fox 4 News in hopes that word would get back to the mystery Good Samaritan. I'd like to appreciate her for her heroic act, he told the station. She went into harm's way to save me, dragged me out. I'd like to thank her. Arrington's friend saw the news story. And let her know about it and she got in touch with Fox 4 News and the station connected them. The first thing I said was, Tammy, this is Dennis, the guy in the wheelchair, Brown said. We started laughing, man, we just started laughing. Put up the picture again. Uh, Miss Arrington, I gotta tell you, you are one remarkable human being. And thank you for what you did, Jasmine. Yeah, humanity is alive and well and in Texas of all places, we love to see it. So this is such a sweet story and it's good and important that we talk about these moments as much as we talk about all of the horrifying stuff. And I think that as much as things seem hateful in the world and as scary as other people may feel, we still have humanity and compassion for others within us and we need to remember that. It's a beautiful thing. Always a pleasure having you on the show. Tell people how they can follow you, check out your great work. Yeah, so you can find all my work on the Rebel HQ YouTube channel. And also I have actually a new podcast that I forgot to tell you about Dr. Richie. It's called Modern Context and the first yes. two episodes are out right now. So please go listen to it. You can find all my stuff on my Instagram or TikTok. It's at Yaz K-Y-A-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-K, five Z's, that's it. Love it, love it, congratulations, very proud. Thanks so much. All right, remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable.